0: The game was over, Super Bowl 55. If you follow the NFL, you know it was a devastating defeat for the Kansas City Chiefs. But then a few nights before the game, the son of Chiefs coach Andy Reid was injured and underwent surgery in Kansas City. Worse than the loss of a game and a son being investigated for impaired driving leading to an accident, there was a five-year-old girl riding in a car Reed hit, and yesterday she was fighting to live. The Buccaneers were an amazing team Sunday night, yet high tension in the game. Afterwards, Bucs quarterback Tom Brady texted Chiefs player Tyrann Matthew an apology, more than one verbal set to. But in Kansas City, they're calling for prayer for a little girl. The coach's son, admitting to officers he had had a few drinks and his eyes were red. Life is fragile, but Jesus promises to keep his sheep safe in his hands. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. It's Tuesday, February 9th, and we're continuing in a series this week called Where is God in a Coronavirus World? February is the shortest month, and just like that, We're a third of the way into it. For many, this time of year is hard. It can be dark and it can be cold. Football is over. Baseball won't start until next month. And sometimes this can add to depression. So today we're going to turn our eyes to God's word once again to learn from the story of Jacob. That story will teach us how God is near to those who feel far from him. All last week and now this week. We're talking with Oxford professor, Dr. John Lennox. He has a book out helping all of us to find hope in a coronavirus world. And when we were chatting together, I asked him how we can find hope today.
1: If you're facing death from COVID, that would rock anybody. And therefore Mm -hmm. one needs to have something extremely solid to hold on to. And I believe that Christ offers that. He doesn't offer that the disease will be cured. But the gospel gives us something that actually transcends death and gives us what atheism can never give by definition, and that is ultimate hope. And so for me, the way into this centers on two major historical events, the cross of Christ showing us that God understands suffering and his resurrection showing that Jesus has triumphed over death and therefore is still alive, and that changes everything.
0: That's Dr. John Lennox in Oxford, England. He'll be back with us a little later in the program. John wrote this book called Where is God in a Coronavirus World? And he does an admirable job answering some of the tough questions. I've read the book, and it helped me put my eyes on Jesus, even in the midst of this pandemic. And I know it'll do the same for you. So after this program, I'd like to send you a copy of John's book for your gift to the ministry. Our number is 800-654-2836. That's eight hundred sixty five haven You can also go online and read a few pages from the book. And after that, make your gift there at haventoday.org. haventoday.org. And if you're looking for a movie to watch on a cold winter's night, we still have the Gospel of Luke DVD, a feature film following the entire gospel, word for word. You choose whether to watch it in the NIV or the KJV. It's yours for a gift to the ministry. And now let's open the program with Mercy Me.
2: Come, thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some Lord, your sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mountain fixed upon it Mount of thy redeeming love Jesus saw me when a stranger Wandering from the fold of God He to rescue me from danger Interposed blood, how his kindness yet pursues me, mortal tongue can never tell, clothed in flesh till death shall lose me, I cannot prove. see Thy lovely face, clothing in my blood-washed linen, how I'll see Thy sovereign grace.
0: Come Thou Fount, by Mercy Me, opening haven today. I'm Charles Morris. Where is God in a coronavirus world? In a moment, we're going to hear again from John Lennox. But let's turn for now to the book of Genesis. The Bible is filled with stories of people who wandered. In fact, you might say that the whole Bible is a story of wanderers. Ever since Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden... Out from God's presence, humankind has been wandering. We all have a sense that there's a God, I think even most unbelievers, and we all look for Him, wondering if He's really there. That's a question that Christians and non Christians alike have asked over the past year. And it's the question that inspired our program this week Can God be good if He made a world where COVID 19 is even possible? And if God is good, then where is he? The Lord showed up in a powerful way in the life of Jacob. In a dramatic vision, God stood at the top of a stairway into the heavens and spoke to Jacob. And the encounter left Jacob awestruck. Even if hardships would come, and they would come, he knew that God was with him. Now here's the story in Genesis 28. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And the Lord said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid. And he said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. And then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I can return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. What an encounter with the living God. Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, son of Isaac, had gotten himself into trouble. His brother Esau was the firstborn and entitled to the birthright as well as a blessing. The birthright was a double portion of the inheritance. The blessing was a sacred pronouncement from his own father. But Jacob stole them both through deception. Esau was angry with his brother. Jacob had no choice but to flee. And so, like Adam and Eve before him, Jacob went east, away from the comforts of family and home, away from the community that worshiped the Lord. Even Christians can make a shipwreck of their faith. Sometimes our hearts wander so far from Christ that it changes our lives and relationships forever. We see it on the news all too often. An influential pastor turns out to be having an affair. A prominent Christian gets caught up in a lie that spirals out of control. But it's not just famous believers. Every day around the world, followers of Christ act as though he's not worth following. In big ways, And in small ways, you and I are constantly tempted to abandon the God who has saved us. Jacob's story is a warning to us. Instead of waiting patiently on the Lord, he took matters into his own hands. And the result? A 550-mile trip from the Promised Land back to Mesopotamia. In my travels to Israel and then Jordan, I've stood on the mountaintops that looked down at the hard terrain that Jacob had to walk. This was a serious trip, and not a welcomed one. He wasn't just leaving home, he was going back to Haran, the very place his grandfather Abram had been called to leave. Jacob's spiritual life seemed to be going in reverse. I know I can relate to that feeling, especially in this past year. A host of challenges have confronted us, it's easy to allow our Christian habits to take a back seat. But here's the good news. Whether you've come close to making a shipwreck of your faith, or you just feel like your spiritual walk is going backwards, God is still with you. Now, I'm not saying that obedience is not important. Striving for holiness is essential. But the Lord is near to those who hold unto him by faith, even when their grip is weak. In that story we just shared from Genesis 28, Jacob lies down to go to sleep. And instead of a pillow, all he had was a rock. What a picture of his situation. I can imagine in that moment, he must have wondered, where is the Lord now? Maybe he won't have anything to do with me anymore. But then to his surprise, God showed up. He made his presence known to Jacob And here's what he says to this weary sinner. I am with you. I will watch over you. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. In this vision, a stairway comes down from the heavens, and on that stairway, angels were going up and coming down. It's like the ziggurats of the ancient world, great temples ascending into the heavens like the Tower of Babel. But the difference This was God's stairway, the very way into his presence. And that's why Jacob called this place Bethel, which literally is translated house of God. This is where God came down and dwelt with Jacob, like he would later in the tabernacle and the temple. It's where he powerfully reminded Jacob, I am with you. Is that a promise for you and me? In all the suffering that you may have faced in recent months... Is God really with you? Professor John Lennox speaks with us and speaks with clarity about this.
1: This is the way the world is. And there's a sense in which we cannot get beneath that. Questions like, couldn't God amid fire that warmed us but never burned? Couldn't he make electricity that wasn't dangerous? And, And all this sort of stuff. Couldn't he have viruses that were all good? Very few of them are pathogenic, of course. And... The thing is, we just don't have all the answers, but we're faced with that situation. So either we use it to deny God, which doesn't really get us very far, or we ask the question I asked a few minutes ago. In spite of that, is there enough evidence to trust God with it? And I think that is where the cross, seeing what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection, that changes the whole perspective because it means death is not the end. And he has promised to those who trust him that death will not be the end for them either. God is exactly where he was in the world before coronavirus. That is, he's offering us his friendship, his fellowship, his forgiveness, his peace, and a new life through Jesus Christ. But the special point is that why would we trust God with this? Because God knows what it's like mm-hmm. to suffer. Mm-hmm. Because on the cross, Jesus suffered. And we can't begin to understand that. I mean, we can see what it involved physically, but what it involves spiritually, uh, that goes beyond all our understanding. And I've said to many people, look, the central Christian c- claim is that Jesus is God incarnate. Now, if that is the case, just try and come with me for a minute. What is God in that sense doing on a cross? Well, surely at the very least, it shows us that God has not remained distant from the question of suffering, but has himself become part of it. Mm -hmm. And I've often found that even saying that simply like that has begun to open a window in people's minds and hearts that they begin to sense that God cares. He understands, Uh, although it's very difficult to articulate it it seems to me to be a central part of the, the Christian gospel, he suffered. And therefore, he can draw alongside people who are suffering.
0: We interviewed John Lennox. We've had him on the program. But that was an interview that John did with Jeff Greenman, who's the president of Regent College in Vancouver, after this book came out. God knows what it's like to suffer. Because Christ has come down to this world and suffered with us. And more important, for us. Knowing that he would go to the cross... Jesus used the story of Jacob's stairway in John chapter 1. He told his disciples, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The same details. A way into heaven is opened up, but it's not on a stairway or a ladder. It's through Jesus Christ himself. He is the way to the Father's presence because he has suffered for us even in our world today. You can take comfort that God is with you. That confidence doesn't come by looking for God like the world does, not through gurus or self-help spirituality. Those who seek God will find him by seeking Christ. Experience God's presence by hearing his word. Remember that the very spirit of Christ dwells inside of you. That was true before this last year, and it's no less true today. You might feel like you're wandering or even going backwards. Turn to the Lord by faith. Lift up your heart to him by the Holy Spirit, and like Jacob, you'll hear him say those comforting words I am with you.
3: I will be with you. I will be with you. Enjoy it.
0: This is Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, and that was Guy Penrod, and I will be with you on a program called Where is God in a Coronavirus World? John Lennox, who we heard from again today, is no prophet. He would be the first to tell you that. But when he wrote this new book about how Christians should respond to a pandemic, the Lord really used it in my life. And in this book, he asked hard questions Where is God? Why? Is he allowing this pandemic to spread? But like I said, he's not a prophet. He just knows the human condition and that even Christians can too often take our eyes off of God and doubt that he's in control. And what I love so much about this book is that John Lennox points us to Jesus. This book will encourage you the way it has encouraged me to put your eyes back on Jesus, who's the giver of hope. So why don't you call us right now and make your gift to this listener-supported ministry, and we'll send the book out to you right away. Where is God in a coronavirus world? Here's our number, 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website, haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And you can read a few pages from the book that we've put up there for you to read. And it's still not too late to be ministered to by the Gospel of Luke. And to help you do that, we have this feature film, the DVD, The Gospel of Luke, telling Christ's story word for word from either the NIV or the KJV. I'm Charles Morris, and thank you for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When again, we'll share together the great story. It's all about Jesus. Here on Haven today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Every day, the news cycle reminds us that our world is fragile. And in those moments, whether it's a natural disaster or a planned act of terror, the thought comes where is the Lord? Psalm 2 gives us a wonderful promise to hang on for our life in those moments. He says in verse six, I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Where's the Lord? He's on his throne. Jesus is ruling the world even today. And the Psalm doesn't stop there. It tells us what to do about it. Kiss the son. are those who take refuge in him. Lift your eyes. This world is chaotic. Lift your eyes to King Jesus. He rules above all. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.